0: Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to this latest video for Retreat Hell, taken from the subreddit hfy. The link to the original is down below, and if you enjoy the story, head over there and let the author know. If you wish to support this channel, there are many ways to do so. Also, strangely enough, listed down below. Don't forget to subscribe or we'll have a platoon of angry cat-like creatures attacking you in your sleep. Anyways, on to the sci-fi. I would like to give a quick thanks to our tier 5 channel members and patrons. Fallen Angel Buzz Kiddington. Thank you again. Now on to the story. Retreat Hell Chapter 15 Part 3 Spirits were mixed the next morning, as they filed into another hastily constructed building for their liberty brief. Excitement for the liberty had passed the next day, and so the USO show's schedule for that night was still heavily tempered by the somber mood that had rained since the end of the previous day's exercise. Why any word of Chach- t- um, Yagi? Bradford asked, sitting down next to the squad from Foxtrot Company. Not much their squad leader, Sergeant Zickerman said. They kept her overnight at the medical, under guard. There's a big investigation that kicked off yesterday on how she fooled everyone, and if anyone knew. Did you guys know? Kowalski asked. No, man. Corporal Helensky shook his head. She wasn't attached to our squad, so we didn't work with her as much. But talking to the guys who did, they had no clue. He shrugged. I mean, there's a lot of crap that's pretty freaking obvious, in hindsight, but at the time we just figured, weird alien, mixed with some homo denial. What do you think's gonna happen to her? Gomez asked. No freaking clue, Zygmunt said. But those noble types seem pretty spun up over the whole thing. Yeah, Prissy McFrickface seemed ready to hang her on the spot, Kowalski said. Bradford frowned. She despised Lord Anya as well, but still... Lock that crap up, Kowalski. Like him or not, he's still an officer. Aye, Sergeant, he said, giving her a sour look. I overheard our lieutenant talking to Captain Brown on the first sergeant. A young looking PFC by the name of Woody said, I think there's a good chance we'll keep her if they try to deep sink her. Wouldn't that be a clusterfreck, Davy said. And it already is, Dubois said with a half hearted chuckle. Shh, teacher's here. Kowalski said as the door opened and Sergeant Major Barackus walked in. Alright, devil dogs, listen up. They all straightened and gave the Sergeant Major their undivided attention, though some might have just been good at putting on a convincing show. The brief itself went about as well as Bradford expected, and much like every other Liberty brief that she'd attended, Barackus was big on treating people like adults until they showed they're not adults but he made it painfully clear that there would be an extra hammer or 20 hanging over their heads, ready to drop on them if they fricked this one up. Remember, he said, wrapping up the briefing, you're all acting as ambassadors for the United States and the U.S. Marine Corps. Liberty is a mission. Execute it well. Hoorah! Hoorah! They all echoed back. Your ride leaves promptly promptly 0930. You'll get your coin vouchers then. Anyone who's late will be left behind. Your pickup is at twenty hundred. Anyone else who's late will have to explain themselves to me. Is that understood? Yes, Sergeant Major. Enjoy yourselves out there, Marines. You deserve it. Do us proud! Dismissed! Riding out of the conference room, Kowalski tapped Bradford and ran. Hey, uh, we got a couple hours before the UCO shows kick off. We're all gonna head over to the MCX to pick up some stuff to trade. Whatever coinage they're giving us, this ain't gonna be much. There's a bunch of crap we think of as stupid, common, everyday bullcrap that the Kishman traders will pay a fortune for. He nodded at Runner. We need your help with picking out some of the good stuff to barter. Radford eyed Kowalski, slightly torn. Normally, she would avoid his schemes wherever possible. But this time, he's not wrong, and I was hoping to get some good souvenirs. Frick Lead the way, corporal, she said, waving him in front of her. An hour later, and they were walking out the MCX with bags full of such things as bullpoint pens, notebooks, cheap watches, reams of printer paper, flashlights and batteries, pencils, pocket mirrors, and more. Common accoutrements of a modern industrial society that the medieval civilization with magic would have never seen before, and would pay good money to have. One is USO? Renard says they found an empty spot to sit in front of the stage. It's a non-profit organization, Bradford said, sitting down and waving at Stephens and Davies at the row behind them. They put on shows and do a bunch of morale-boosting crap for deployed troops, and a bunch of other stuff for military members back home too. Ah, he said, looking back and forth between his chili dog and the giant puff of blue cotton candy, snuffling both. She smiled as she watched him try to decide which to eat first, carefully snagging her own cotton candy stick between her knees so that she could eat her hot dog. There's nothing but carnival food here, but we're all a bunch of big dumb kids, Randy, and carnival food makes people happy. Which is kind of the whole point of it all. Following Bradford's example, Rin sniffed and focused on his chinny dog, and promptly made a mess of his fur as he scarfed down the overloaded dog she reached into her pocket to pull out a bunch of napkins that she had grabbed for this very purpose and tossed them at him. Licking his fingers as much as his face clean as he could, he snatched up several napkins to finish the job. Eating her own, more reasonably loaded dog with much more sensible pace, she grinned in anticipation as he picked up the cotton candy. He gave it a careful lick and then a small nibble. His ears shut up. And, yep, gone in two bites or less. She laughed as he gleefully chewed and rapidly dissolved mass of spun sugar. The inspected the paper tube that had come in for more. That's it, until they stopped and turned to look at her and her food with pumpy dog eyes. No, she said, scooching around to put her back to him and keep her food out of his reach. It's mine. She had to shift both her remaining hot dog and cotton caddy to one hand and stretched it out of his reach as he tried to climb over her back to get it. Freaking no, she said, managing to chew the last bite enough to swallow. Rin's antics tapered off, the as people around them started to laugh. He sat back down, and his ears swung back, trying to avoid eye contact with anyone around him. See, she said, turning back to him and stuffing the entire remaining third of a hot dog in her mouth. He's embarrassing yourself she added, speaking around her overstuffed mouth. His ears shot back up, and he slapped both of his hands over his snout, snorted in laughter, triggering a hiccup. Radford chewed and managed to swallow her oversized bite, and gave him a mocking, serious glare. See, that's why you shouldn't eat so fast. You Can't savor it, you'll make yourself sick, and now you don't have anything to eat during the show. She waved at the stage where the band had expected to come out at any minute. He rolled his ears and stuck his tongue out at her. She laughed and took a bite of a cotton candy, making a point of savoring it. He whined and gave her the puppy dog eyes again, this time laying it on heavy. He had his own. I'm not gonna... His ears swept low against his skull, making him look pathetic. God damn it, she sighed. Fine, you can have some of mine. Just a little. Yanks. he said. His ears flittering up with a smile. He reached over and pulled off a small piece and popped it in his mouth, savoring the sweetness. Ass, she said, before taking another bite. He pooped her on the head with his tail. Still an ass! The band finally came out, some big-name country star. Bradford had never heard of him. She wasn't a fan of modern country, but the music was still pretty decent, in her opinion, and a lot of the crowd went wild for him. After several sets, he swapped out with a comedian who had the whole crowd rolling on the deck, been struggling a lot with the references, but the laughter was contagious and he was usually chuckling and giggling along with Bradford, even if he clearly didn't always get the joke. At the end of the show, the event switched to canned music, of the patriotic variety. They went to get more food and find out that the rest of the squad was going to sit for the upcoming fireworks show. Radford, a yacht. Staff Sergeant Rickles called out as they were perusing the concession stalls. There the frick you are, been looking all fricking evening. Uh-oh, Bradford thought, turning to Rickles. What's up, Staff Sergeant? First Sergeant wants you both over by the stage before the next event, which is... Uh, he glanced at his watch. In ten fricking minutes, get your asses moving. Hi, Staff Sergeant, Bradford said, exchanging a frown with Runa. What the frick is this about? They both shrugged and started making their way towards the stage. Just stand by there, one of the corporals of the event staff said when they arrived, pointing them to an open corner next to the stage. With another shrug, Radford and Wren walked over to stand by the designated spot. A few minutes ticked by as the show ramped up and cleared off the stage. It was some slapstick stunt routine that started off after they left to get more food, and Bradford would have regretted missing it if she wasn't worried about what they had been called over for. Wren gave her an ear flick. Catching her eye, he raised an eyebrow, his tail twitching at the stage where the 2nd Battalion Triad had appeared. She shrugged, giving him a no-idea face in return. Now, before we get on to the next event, we have something a little more serious to do. Guthrie said, his voice amplified across the field by the microphone that he was holding. We have some outstanding warfighters to recognize. Sergeant Jamie Bradford, second artificer Rin Ayat. Front and center. With a breath, Bradford stepped forward, marching up the steps and onto the stage. Rin was close on her heels, following her example. Clearing the curtains and bunting at the edge of the stage, she saw the position of a battalion CEO exo and first sergeant, along with the battalion adjutant, who held a pair of distinctive folders. Looks like a... ah, freck it is. Shifting to a formal marching pace, she came to a halt in front of Colonel Michaels and turned to face him, her back to the crowd, standing at attention. Hand salute, Barakas said, and she snapped her hand up to a crisp 45-degree angle. Rin snapped his right hand to his crest and bowed in a precise 30 degree angle michaels returned the salute Two. she dropped her salute and run straightened about this radford put the tip of her right foot behind her left heel and pivoted executing a decently precise maneuver run lagged at a fraction behind her he copied me she noted the grandland version has them turning to the left Attention to a ward, Baracus called out, and several thousand marine soldiers, sailors, and airmen snapped to attention before them. Winters cleared a throat. To all who shall see these presents, greetings, greetings, thousands of voices echoed back. This is to certify that the President of the United States of America, authorized by the Act of Congress July 9th, 1918 has awarded the Silver Star to Sergeant Jamie Alice Bradford, United States Marine Corps, for service set forth in the following citation. What? Her eyes went wide, and she had struggled to maintain her composure as Colonel Michael stepped in front of her, bending the medal to her chest all conspicuous gallantry while serving as a member of the second squad first platoon echo company second battalion fifth marine regiment on 9th june 2020 while taking fire from alvin heavy artillery sergeant Bradford's swift and timely action in applying first aid and calling in a medevac saved the lives of several fellow marines following the revelation of a large alvin force in position to ambush the rest of her battalion and separating her beleaguered squad from the same, Sergeant Bradford immediately and without hesitation engaged the overwhelming enemy force, while simultaneously calling in an airstrike on Alban troops that were not more than 100 yards from her own position. Sergeant Bradford's actions saved the lives of her entire battalion, reflect great credit upon herself, and are in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Naval Service. Michaels handed her a folder with an embossed certificate with his left hand, holding out his right. She took the certificate and his hand and automatic. I thought Liberty in Town was to surprise the LT was talking about. Signed for the President Daryl C. Withers, Secretary of the Navy, July 4th, 2020. Someone whistled out in the crowd as Bradford heard a page flip behind her. To all who shall see these presents, greetings! Greetings! The crowd thundered back. This is to certify that the President of the United States of America, authorized by the Act of Congress July 9, 1918, has awarded the Silver Cross to Second Artificer, Rin Ayat, Ganon Royal Host, for services set forth in the following citation. Michaels stepped over to Rin, a fresh medal in his hand. He was as rigid as a statue, but his ears were angled to just a bit too far apart. He was as surprised and perplexed as she was. For conspicuous gallantry, while serving as a member of 3rd Column, 1st Square, 9th Regiment of Non-June, June 2020, despite the near-total loss and rout of his own unit, and out of ammunition for his artifice stave, 2nd Artificer Yacht continued to hold a rearguard action against an overwhelming elven force. After being reinforced by marines from 2nd Battalion, 2nd Artificer Yacht was only Gandan soldier to advance alongside the marines in the US counterattack. Under fire from heavy artillery, he recognized telltale signs of an elven ambush and, using a replacement stave acquired on the battlefield, disrupted their invisibility field, despite being greatly outnumbered and in an exposed position. He continued to engage in Alban forces alongside several Marines and shielded them from Elven fire long enough for them to call in an airstrike on the Alban forces. Second Artificer Yacht's actions saved the lives of an entire Marine battalion, reflect great credit upon himself, and are in keeping with the highest traditions of the United States Naval Service. Michaels held out the certificate and a hand to render, and it took him a moment to realize what to do. The handshake was a little awkward, halfway between a human and a Kishman version, but Bradford doubted anyone noticed. Signed for the President Darrell C. Withers, Secretary of the Navy, July 4th, 2020. Michaels stepped back and applause thundered over them. She held herself rigid attention, too stunned to do anything else. A silver freaking star. I was just doing my job. What needed to be done? And Run got one too. How many have been given out to non US military? That's gotta be freaking rare. About face! Barrackus called out as the applause tapered off. Radford pivoted around, noting that her peripheral vision that Run had defaulted back to the cannon version when he spun back around. And salute! "'Congratulations, Sergeant, Second Artificer," Michael said as he returned to their salute. "'Do fall out!' "'Thank you, sir,' she said quietly as they both pivoted to the left and marched off the stage. Out of the limelight, Rin looked down at the new medal, then spun around to look at Bradford. A question written across his face and ears. "'What does this mean?' "'It's our third highest award of valor," she said." putting her hand on his shoulder and gently guiding him away from the stage. She was as stunned by it all as he was, but explaining to him gave her a task to accomplish, and that helped. The only two awards above it are the Navy Cross, all the other branches' version of it, and the Congressional Medal of Honor, which is awarded by the President on behalf of Congress, she frowned. A lot of people who win that one are awarded it posthumously. I see, he said carefully examining the medal. Does the royal host do medals? Yes, he said, still examining his star. How many have you earned? He looked up from the medal and frowned, one ear cocking down to the other half up. I don't know. Y- you don't know? Maybe, if I really thought about it, I could probably tell you. But I'm not really sure, he sighed. There were a lot of pageantry I was awarding them, and the start of the war... Then it just kind of became a thing that got mentioned. He flicked an ear. One of my square's adjutants insisted on documenting them all, even long after we stopped caring about them, and made a point of informing each of us that we had earned one, he snorted. I think it was his way of denying that we were losing the war, or maintaining hope. If the medals were important, that meant that we would be alive after the war to wear them. Hey, jabs, shields! Edison called out. Over here! Turning, they quickly found and met up with him, Dubois and Miller. Congratulations on the award, both of you, Dubois said, shaking both of their hands. Yeah, congrats, Silverstar, that's awesome! Edison stepped to shake their hands as well. Miller just gave them each a nod. They both shrugged. We were just doing our jobs, Edison. You were there too. Yeah, but you guys were the most badass about it, he grinned. And if they gave you a Silver Star for that, that's nothing compared to the fight at the... He was interrupted by Dubois placing a hand on his shoulder. That's not why we tracked him down. Oh, right, Edison said, bouncing up and down. How much caffeine has he had? First, he said, holding up a finger, Kowalski found us a sweet spot to watch the fireworks Problem Over on the western side of the field. He held up another finger. And second... Look at what the cat dragged in. He stepped aside and a familiar figgle hobbled up on crutches, his left leg and a cast. Gutierrez, Bradford shouted with a grin. Holy crap, what the frick are you doing here? Nice duck in, he said, holding out a hand to shake. And maybe with a dash of old-fashioned bribery. Bradford took his hand and then pulled him into a hug. How the frick are you doing, Sergeant? Last I heard, they were sewing your leg back on. Well, they did, he said. "'waving down at his leg. "'They even managed to not put it on backwards, "'though I think it might be a little crooked.' "'He grinned as they all laughed. "'How long until you're up and about "'without the extra set of legs?' "'Well,' he scratched his chin. "'I've got surgery in a couple weeks, "'and maybe another one after that. "'Depends on how the first one goes. "'Then they figure I've got six months of physical therapy "'till I can get by without the cane both days. "'At that point, though,' I'll be transferred to 1st Subdivision. What? Rabbit said. You're not coming back. What? we've still got a whole war to fight. And I'm out of it. I'll be able to walk fine again, and maybe even kind of run most days. But it ain't as good as new. You can't go to war with a bum leg. Well, frick, she sighed. I'm still fighting the medsip, but it's not looking good. He shook his head and then shrugged. Maybe it'll give me time to teach the old lady how to dance. Radford laughed. Gucci, you couldn't dance before your leg got shot off. Yeah, but now all the toe-stepping is just to keep me on level footing, he winked. She snorted, and they all chuckled. As the laughter tapered off, Gutierrez looked at the others. Hey, can you guys give me and jabs a moment here, alone? Sergeant Sardi. Yeah, sure, Dubois said. Come on, Shields, Kowalski wanted to make sure that you got a good view of the fireworks. It's good seeing you again, Ayat, Gutierrez said. If you ever find yourself back on Earth, look me up, we'll get a beer. He held out his hand, and congratulations on the Silver Star. From what I've heard through the grapevine, you deserve it. He glanced at Brantford. You both do. Thank you, Prince said, shaking his hand. I'll take you up on that beer, but this is all over. I look forward to it. Jabs, we're over at the western edge of the arena area, on the other side of the tents, Dubois said. Kowalski already got a bunch of drinks and snacks set up, too. I'm pretty sure he picked the spot out and set it up ahead of time. Bradford nodded. Knowing him, he probably did. I'll meet you there, she waved off as they walked away, then turned to look back at Goody Arrows. I wanted to thank you, Jabs, he said. I talked to the doc about what happened. He added when she tilted her head. I'd have bled to death out there if not for you. You saved my life. She shook her head. I just did what we were all trained to do. Yeah, but you did it, and I'm alive because of it. I still owe you my life. He reached over and tapped the bulge in her pocket where she had stowed her silver star. You deserve that. You saved me. You saved all of us that day. Don't let it get you ahead, but don't get too humble about it either. She shifted awkwardly, knowing on some level that what he'd said was true, but that didn't mean that she was comfortable with it. We're all war heroes now, he said, but you've still got more war heroing to do. I wish you were coming along. Ah, you don't need me. He waved. I'm kind of fat and lazy, and you're already ten times the marine I could ever be. Follow your training and listen to your instincts. You've got a good head on your shoulders, Bradford. Freaking use it! He glanced down at his watch. Crap! He frowned. I wasn't joking when I said I wasn't supposed to be here. Gotta get back or I'll get into real trouble if Marjorie finds out. He gave her a smile. She'll take my other leg off and beat me with it. You better get back then. You definitely can't run from her now, Bradford said laughing at the image of his five-foot-nothing wife chasing him around their house. And send her my love. Well do. You know she sends hers, he straightened. It's your squad now, Sergeant Bradford. They're your men. Take care of them, keep them alive, and kill some Keebler bastards for me. Will freaking do, she said. Good, he said with a nod, and started hobbling away. Bradford paused, watching him go. Sergeant Gutierrez, she called out, popping to attention as he turned back. She snapped a crisp salute. It's been an honor. Shifting both crutches to his left hand, he stood at attention and returned the salute. Hurrah! Bradford dropped his salute. Two-five. Retreat hell, he said, dropping his hand smartly. He took up his crutches again and resumed hobbling away. Give him hell, Jabs, he called over his shoulder. Aye, aye, sergeant, she whispered as she watched him disappear into the ground. When he was gone, she took a deep breath and turned to find the rest of her squad. Following Dubois' instructions, she made her way to the western edge of the arena and passed the tents that had been set up there. The sun had set a while ago, and there wasn't a whole lot of light over here. I wonder if I'd be better served to go fetch this set of NVGs. Psst, hey, Jabs, up here. She stopped and looked up, spotting Kimber waving at her from the top of the shipping container. She looked around, and he pointed to a sack of crates and a wire spools at the end of it. A moment later, she was poking her head over the top of the glorified metal crate, where she found the rest of her squad. Are you guys supposed to be up here? Nah, Kowalski said, waving at her from his lawn chair. But it's the best seat in the house to see the fireworks. Now get your ass up here. She'll saved you a seat. Radford finished the climb up and squeezed in next to Rin. Their seat was an old wool blanket that might have been a Vietnam War surplus, with a big folded top as a backrest, but it was comfortable enough. Settling in, she looked over the rest of the squad, Gutierrez's words echoing in her mind as the fireworks started. It's your squad. They're your men. Take care of them. Keep them alive. I'll do my best, she whispered. What was that, Jabs? Kimper asked. Nothing, she said, shaking her head. Hey, they're starting, Kowalski said. With a soft thump, the glowing trail of a spark shot into the sky and burst into a bright flash that almost immediately thumped her chest. Damn, we're close. These are good seats. Popcorn, Vin asked, tolting the bag towards her. Anya cocked in her direction. Of course, she said snagging a handful and popping it into her mouth. Another concussive flare followed the first. Then the whole sky lit up. Leaning back, she smiled up at the sky, enjoying the show. I'll do more than my best, she amended her previous statement. I'll just freaking do. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope...